0: other famous character that was the boyfriend of Rush in Ru- in, in Beckinsade. This is Smelly Clark, who is my buddy. And uh, speaking of that, listen, I'll tell you, I, I know, I'll tell you, I know, I, I know why the angry people of the world are the people who get up early in the morning. I'm sorry. I cannot, I cannot imagine a dynamic dictator getting up at two o'clock in the afternoon and putting his socks on and, Combing his hair and saying, ah, oh, well, I think I'll wait until after supper before I shave. Uh, no, 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 because there's something in the air. I'm telling you, I am coming along Sixth Avenue. It's a fantastic morning. You know, the sun is beating down. Oh, boy, you know, it's the kind. What ha- have you noticed that, that all women look at least 150% sexier in the morning when you're coming to work? It's just, an, it's just a thing. I don't know what it is. I think it's the way the sun hits them. Or or maybe it's the way the sun hits the top of my head. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, before we get into other, uh, as more controversial topics, how about a little whoopee note here? Uh,
1: well, let me put it another way. The Republican, the, 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 the Republican, I think the party, because uh, if we don't white, then we've uh, got to pay the piper. Well, sir, isn't it true uh, that it'll be a better party if the hostess employs a little accent? Well, let me make this perfectly clear. I think people should be employed regardless of uh, their accent. No, I mean, uh, she uses accent on the food. Oh, yes. Well, I, uh, I wouldn't care to uh, comment one way or the other. You have heard of accent, though, in the red cylindrical container. Well, I, I wouldn't care to uh, say that I had. And then, on the other hand, I wouldn't. I know. Uh, accent is uh, a season of some sort. Oh, not
0: anything. actually, sir. It has no flavor of its own. Uh.
1: Oh, yes. I recall. Accent brings out the flavor nature has already put uh, in the beef or spring beans, whatever. I think it's important uh, to bring these facts out in the open. It's one of the basics of democracy. Part of the
2: real grassroots?
1: Well, I suppose it will bring the flavor out in grassroots. I uh, really uh, wouldn't care to uh, be quoted on that.
2: Could you give us a definite statement on accents?
1: Well, perhaps. uh, Possibly. Uh, No. But you are going to pick up some accents. We'll see.
0: What was all that about? I mean, uh, sometimes you have a feeling that you're caught in some kind of gigantic, surrealistic washing machine, some kind of a Maytag that's got you by the foot. (laughs) You know, uh, speaking of of uh, of this surrealistic world, I'm looking at the sun. You know, coming. Oh, it's just a fantastic day, you know, and and my stomach is flat, and and my blood is flowing like mad through my veins, and my eyes are shining this morning. It's a great morning, you know, and and in my soul is playing my kazoo. You know, something like... And I'm walking along, and it's on 6th Avenue, you see. And then I see this great, just this enormous tidal wave of human beings flowing up and down 6th Avenue, back and forth, all going to whatever... nefarious (laughs) Nefarious <laughs> place they're going. You wonder what they're all about to do, you know. And and uh, and it suddenly hit me. I, a terrible thought hit me, Tony. Maybe this is why I will never be an official morning time guy. You know, morning time people have a certain uh, a certain ebullient, constant optimism. They give you the time at eight sixteen as if it is a new concept every morning, and it's eight sixteen. I said, so, well, for crying out loud, we finally reached it. And wait till we get to 818. That's a great moment. And let me tell you, when we hit 832. <laughs> and now we go on with the Norman Luboff Choir. Well, you have to uh, you have to have a certain outlook. You see, well, anyway, I'm walking along. I don't know. What, yeah, well, I guess it is a certain outlook. So I'm walking along the street there. And I see all these people coming at me. And it, it immediately hits me. This is a city of over 11 million people, you know, including uh, Neck." And uh it's uh, I guess we have to include t neck, I mean, they mean well, come on now, Tony. It's not their fault and and uh, so we're we're walking along, and I see these people come, and it suddenly hits me. How many of these guys it's Thursday morning are heading for the office to be fired today, only they don't know it. There has to be, out of 11 million people, there has to be a certain percentage of guys over whose neck the axe is not only hovering, but is rapidly descending. And so I'm walking along there, seeing the old kazoo is going... Oh, boy. And off to my left, I see a little shop. Now, here's here's the kind of thing you see in the morning. You don't see this at 2 in the morning. I'm sorry. There's a little shop, you know, these little junk shops they've got all over around here in town, where they're selling uh, used mittens and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, Okinawan mugs with little handles, and when you when you drink out of them, they play Yes Sir, that's my baby, and all that great stuff. You say, well, <laughs> right out in in front, <laughs> listen to this scene, right out in front on a little table, they had they had a, a big pile of stuff, and there were about, must have been at least fifteen people standing around looking very excitedly out on the sidewalk at this pile of stuff. And I, and I sort of looked over to see what it was. I don't want to get caught in any big scene at this early in the morning. And I looked over, and there's a big sign that says, Pseudo Ivory Oyster Forks. Well, now, now uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know how many people need an oyster fork to begin with, but a pseudo Ivory Oyster Fork. And they did not say imitation. They said pseudo Ivory Oyster Fork. And I thought, well, now, isn't that a description of it all? A pseudo-ivory oyster fork rampant across a sea of dust mops. So get together, man. Press the button and we're off on another Today commercial. we have butcher.
3: with us the man responsible for Heinz's new Polish-style deals. Here at Heinz, we're pickle
2: people. To pickling we are true. Every pickle.
3: Every style. pickle. pickled.
0: Pickle. Every pickle gets a sparkles to you. Uh, nothing more... Exciting in the morning than a singing pickle. Uh, I uh, I recall coming home. Oh, Peggy knows. By George, Peggy, raise your hand once again. You get a gold star. Both you and Ed get gold stars now. She identified who Smelly Clark's best friend was outside of Rush. Uh, and and uh, you can see you can really tell the real Americans, can't you? You really can. They don't chicken around with this little stuff. Yes, I I thought it was one of the great names in American fiction was Bluetooth Johnson. Bluetooth Johnson was Smelly Clark's best friend, and they were all, well, it was a triumvirate. Bluetooth Johnson, Smelly Clark, and Rush. And there was another guy, one other guy, and his, uh, his first name started with an M. And who was their favorite movie star... And where did she appear continually in a movie called Hearts of Flame? Hearts of Flame. And what was the name of their favorite fictional character? They were constantly reading passages from the stirring books. Uh, I will, I will, I will give you a quote here. I will, I will delete the name for those of you who want to test your infinite memory for American trivia. Blank, blankety blank stood atop the ramparts. He turned slowly, his great massive jaw tightening in anger as he spoke, Lady Margaret, do not look at these rampaging aborigines. The sight could easily curdle your blood. He whirled and, withdrawing his saber from the scabbard, stood ready to defend the honor of the beauteous Lady Margaret. Honey, I'll meet you on the beach. I've got to stop for cigarettes.
2: Okay. Okay. And this time, make it Salem. Let's try something different for a change. Try something
0: different for a change. Light
3: up for Salem for a change. Salem softness, freshens your taste. Try the soft taste of Salem for a change. Next time you buy cigarettes, enjoy the refreshing difference the next of Salem filter cigarettes. Salem softness, freshens your taste. Ahead of Salem's modern filter, there's a rich tobacco blend, smooth with menthol, plus special paper that breathes in fresh air with the Try, <laughs>
0: <of Salem.
1: laughs> <change. Light> <laughs> Try the soft
2: <laughs> taste of Salem. <laughs> Don't
0: Smoke Salem filters cigarettes. Oh, I'm going to get fired yet. Speaking of guys, you know, a suddenly awful thought hit me, Tony, on the way in when I just talked, those, told this little thing about all the guys coming in who are about to be fired. I noticed that the executive phone is ringing in the control room in there the one with the red line on it. <laughs> the one that says switch to emergency program immediately. We will pick up transcribed organ moves now. Uh, spe- <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, transcribed organ moves, uh, I uh, I I I don't know whether or not uh, most people have the the uh, same memories that I have. Of course, memory memory is a tricky thing. Uh, You you just can't you can't trust it for for. Well, I almost said what you can't trust it for, but I better not say it. But I can remember there was a guy in Chicago. Well, sir, it's late
3: afternoon as we enter the small house, halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mrs. Victor Cook and her son, Mr. Rush Gook. Fade, who is established in her husband's easy chair beneath the floor lamp, nods over a novel she received as a Christmas present, while young Rush, lying at full length of the Davenport, gazes at the ceiling and thinks, thought. But suddenly, sounds are heard in the kitchen. Listen.
2: Hey, in here, guy. Your mother, how? he's asleep. I'm not either. Well, you look like She's Is she upstairs? No. What's the big commotion? Oh, look, it kiddo. Hello.
3: Are you going? Listen, there's a special lodge meeting call for this evening. We're
2: saying 500 with Fred Ruther this evening.
3: Well, that'll have to be called off. L.W. Eakins from Chicago headquarters is in town. Look, you two guys will have to jump in and help a fella out. I've got to wear my regalia and memorize a special ritualistic greeting and everything else. Have to be down the hall by a quarter to five. It's almost four now. Andy, hop up from there and stand at attention and be ready to receive orders.
1: You want me to go up?
3: I want you to get me my lodge stuff from upstairs, make a telephone call to Hank Gut stop, and dig volume seven out of my lodge library, out of the bookcase, and 69 other things. Kiddo, you give me a hand, too, won't you? We got an engagement with Fred
2: Ruthie. You know yourself. Well, that'll <laughs> to that
3: can be canceled. I'm sorry, but it can't be
2: helped. Better phone him right now, then. Give him a chance to make other plans. All right. Of course,
3: Cutter. Let's not stand around with our teeth in our mouth. Hold mm-hmm. and a it
2: back till I get to calling
3: Ruthie. Well, I got no time to waste.
2: Well, I'm not going to have you fellas clown around upstairs and tearing the house apart.
3: There's stacks of Christmas presents in every single clothes closet, and I'm the only one that knows... Okay, but make it snappy. Rush, get me volume 7 out of the bookcase.
2: Okay. 2572X, please. Correct.
3: X. I I have to learn an official greeting by heart. And I have to fold Hank Goodstock and dictate an official greeting for him to memorize. Maybe you can do that.
2: What's all this that's going on now? What excuse shall I give him? You can't...
3: L.W. Eakins is in town. Who's he? One of the major executives of the Chicago headquarters of the Sacred Stars... Hello, lady.
2: I bet you were taking a nap. I <laughs> am
3: seven, now. Is kind of so?
2: It. Well, Rush and me have been doing the same thing. Vic went downtown right after dinner and just this minute got home.
3: This is what I have to memorize. Yeah. A paragraph, huh? Yeah.
2: Oh, my, I bet you were... How long do they stay?
3: Well, up quick now and bring me down my lodge regalia. All of it.
2: Well, I should think so.
3: Boots, swords, tunic, plumes, hats, Your You're dancing available.
2: Dolly, yes. What do you mean? Mom, well, lend them to Tom Hackett. Happens every time. Who's Tom Hackett? Butcher over in Middleton Butcher Shop. He mm-hmm. needed them to be Santa Claus, Dave. Well, what is does Fred Dave.
3: Hey,
2: a person's trying to talk over... Excuse me, Ruthie. Dick's trying to say something in just a second. What's the matter?
3: Are my lodge pants upstairs?
2: unless well, those are upstairs if you put them upstairs. You let them to Tom Hackett.
3: Don't you remember? Oh, him?
2: golly, that's right. He took the part of Santa Claus and I... Well, was... this ain't that well, you can drop by and take <laughs> them up. Landlady will give them to you. His
3: landlady speak. can go jump in the lake.
2: I haven't well, we got time we to... through here, Vic. Ruthie's waiting on the wire.
3: You may inform me. to He's the dash
2: Lady, this what I'm
3: to sorry. Mm. Yeah. Oh, little frenzied brother of mine, ring sure. your clapping hands and
2: listen for the call of the golden uh-huh. Oreo. As maidens dance by the plashing oh, wheel
3: and the mischievous tarantella. Right. Will
2: you be quiet? Mm. Both of you be quiet. Uh, say, lady, I better tell you why I phoned. Yeah. We're not going to be able to play 500 this evening. No. Well, it's like this. Big uh, Lodge is having a special meeting. Yeah, some fella from Chicago's in town, and I guess he's... Who's the fella there?
3: Will you get through there and explain about my pants?
2: I asked you a question. Who's the Chicago fella?
3: L. W. Eakins.
2: The big, large, muckety-muck? Yeah. She's a man named Mr. Eakin, some big, muckety-muck in the lodge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, look, this don't make any difference to you and Fred, does it? Uh-huh. Well, I thought I'd better get in touch with you right away so you could make other plans. Yeah. Will you make that that eight? Later on, the week will be grand. Surely. <laughs> you bet. Well, will uh, you explain to Fred? Yeah. All right, Lucy. All right. Goodbye. There's no call to work yourself into a stool. You can pick up your lodge pants on the way downtown.
3: I have to dress here.
2: All right, let Rush cut over after
3: him. Cut over after him, Rush. Tom Hager lives on North Center Street, Tony. I haven't the remotest idea, yeah. yeah. Shall I go there first, or shall I go to Smelly Clark's house first?
2: Smelly Clark's
3: house? Who so hat.
2: Didn't you bring that back?
3: Uh-uh.
2: Oh, my.
3: What? this tree now.
2: Well, don't jump through the ceiling, but rush let Smelly Clark take your pruned you hat. You're giving Yeah, but I'm certainly Clark would use your head enough to get rush it back. Rush let
3: Smelly Clark take my pruned hat to do what? use as an ornament on his Christmas tree. See, they wanted something to put on the tip top of the tree to you make it... they round me up my pruned hat in my large rope without another second delay. And I better go out. I will make a little speech about what I think of people who lend out private possessions of others to every half-wit in town. Well,
2: goodness, I never
3: expected... I will make my speech later. Right now, however, I'm very closely pressed for time and would like to ask you to do me a favor. What is it? Telephone Hank Gutstop and read him this paragraph. He's supposed to memorize it. I don't like
2: Hank Gutstop, Hicks.
3: It won't hurt you to call him on the telephone, will it? Well, I don't like
2: him, and he knows I don't like him,
3: if... and... my own wife won't cooperate with me in the matter of the greatest importance... What you want me to tell him? I want you to read something to him. You have paper and pencil and write as you dictate.
2: Hmm.
3: He's the place right here. don't
2: have to read a whole book to him, do
3: I? Just this paragraph I'm pointing to. What's it supposed to be? Regular prescribed official greeting from an exalted little dipper to a visiting dictionary. I cast the memory. Hey. What's the better phrase? Oh, Who is that Greek jump? Latin jump.
2: You expect me to make out a bunch of outlandish gibberish? and shenanigans pie? pie.
3: Read it just like you'd read English. Keep over the people's bank, Ellen, before I sound try. sounds it. just like it looks. The third, first word is hic. H-I-C. Hic. Read it just like you'd read anything else. here. Here. Hate dignity, apple orange, dumb clock, hobo. Who is agricola, to hunk? Sim spittle, the fetus, in slab, dumb corncob. I won't do it. Baby, surely after lending my lodge pants to a perfect stranger to be Santa Claus in and given my plumed hat to a hyena to put on his Christmas tree, you want to read something
2: games. in American, but I'll kiss a cow before I'll make a ninny out of myself with that Greek jump.
3: Okay. I'll memorize Hank's greeting. You can memorize my greeting. We'll switch speeches.
2: Yours printed in American?
3: Yeah. Let's see it once. Right here. Oh, little frenzied brother of mine, lean your clutching hands and listen to the call of the golden orion as maidens dance by the flashing pools. And a mischievous creditor. I'm not down. going to
2: read that either. What? I'm not going to read that either.
3: Katie, can it be possible with you? Yeah, you calling that old Hank Gustaf
2: on the telephone and call him pet names and telling him to wring his hands and dance with the girls uh-huh. and play in the splashing Was pool. That fresh? Huh?
3: Fresh? Yeah. He has not left the house yet. Well, I think. What is the ice yet, sir? I'm watching you your booth. My boat. The large boat. Where was it? In the basement. I knew it was down there, so I hunted all over the furnace room till I found it. There you are. Where is my other boat? That's the big mystery. I looked every doggone place. Where is my other boat?
2: I let Miss Husher have
3: it. What for?
2: To hang over the fireplace at Christmas time. It's always been a custom in her family to use boots instead of stockings for Santa Claus to put his presents um, in them.
3: Santa has my pants, Sally Clark has my plumed hat, and Miss Husher has my other boots. Is that correct?
2: Well, goodness, you didn't give a person warning. You wanted everything all at once. I've had the slightest thing. Where's
3: my sword?
2: Right upstairs in your bottom dresser drawer. It's so all wrapped up nice and ready to use. Shall I go get it?
3: How about my robe? Oof.
2: Your robe?
3: My robe. Charlie some it. And my tunic. Oh, what'd you do with
2: his tunic, Rush?
3: You sent me over to Miss Brighton's
2: with it. Oh, she wanted to use it. Tom one.
3: Hackett has my pants. Mary Clark has my plumed hat. Miss Husher has my boot. Charlie Razerscomb has my robe. And Miss Brighton has my tunic. I haven't much large regalia that. I have oh, a phone
2: ringing. Oh, yes. The telephone
3: is ringing. Oh, i am answer. Sure. That's probably Ruthie. You don't need to look at it as a media. I'm not in
2: particular. Hello? Yes? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, just a second for you.
3: Hank Gustaf? I think so.
2: Yes, this is Hank Gustaf. Thank like
3: recognize his voice. He wants his official speech. Read it to him.
2: Oh, Vic, I just can't read that great chunk over the telephone. In the book. Vic, I just can't.
3: Here's the place.
2: I'll read the American. Take this. I'll read about the maidens and the splashing pool. Read
3: what I'm giving you.
2: Vic, I just can't. Me. Mm. Uh, Hank? Oh. Uh, Here, Dignitas, Apollo Rum, Dumb, Croft, Chimian, Hobo. Here we are. Agricola, a pew, hump. Sim, fiddle, in slob, dumb, cornucopia, itch.
0: Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next
3: block.